Was it, was it Mark Twain that said, it's not the things about the Bible I don't understand that scare me, it's the things I do understand that scare me? Amen. You know, uh, Mark Twain wasn't necessarily a Christian, but he had that right. There's plenty in this Bible to understand if you'll just read it with us. Luke chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 14. Well, no, let's go to verse 16. Let's go to verse 16. Let's start with verse 16. Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he, talking about Christ, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on a Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So in the synagogue, what we would call equivalent of a synagogue would be today would be a church. Like he went, they'd gather together like we do. They had the scrolls. They would lift up their scrolls. They would read out of the Bible, you know, the Word of God. It would be the Old Testament, and they would read the Old Testament. And then a man would give a reading. He'd read it, and he'd kind of explain what he thinks that means or what God's trying to say. And it says there that Christ's custom was to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Christ's custom was to go to church. And you have so many Christians say, well, I don't think I need to be in church. Well, his, Christ thought he did. And he's the son of God. So what does that tell you? I think that tells you you might want to be, try to get in church as much as you can. It was his custom, right? The Bible says it, as his custom was. Verse 17, so Christ, they get up, they would read. So verse 17, there was delivered unto him under Jesus, the book of the prophet Isaiah. That would be the book Isaiah, what we call Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is what he read out loud. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. <laughs> I bet they were. When you have the very author that wrote the book reading it to you, that makes a difference, amen? And when you have the very, the very creator, the very author of these words reading it to you, it says he sat down and it says all the eyes of the church, the synagogue were just like fastened on him. They're like, whoa. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He says, see what I just read to you? That's right now. That's me. That's right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you humbly in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray, Father, that... Your Holy Spirit would move, Lord, lead, God, and direct us, Lord, into all truth. Lord, help us understand you better, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to know how you are and how you describe yourself, Lord. And we want to understand that description and what that means to us, Lord God. And to a lost man or to a lost woman that might be tuning in, listening in, that might be here this morning in the church, Lord God, that they can see you and get to know you better, Lord Jesus. And I pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what Jesus Christ is going to do here in verse 18, and this is what I want to preach on this morning, Jesus Christ is going to describe himself. So how would Jesus Christ describe himself? Well, let me start out by saying this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, in Isaiah 9, 6, one of the things that calls Jesus Christ is wonderful. Wonderful. Now, that word is thrown around a lot. Oh, it was a wonderful meal, or that was a wonderful uh, movie. What, the, people throw that word around wonderful a lot. But this capital W, wonderful, this, you're going to understand what that word really means. After we read through what this is, you're going to really, really understand what that word wonderful means. And what you're going to say is, yes, Jesus Christ is, is wonderful. He's very wonderful. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I got a question for you. Are you poor? Are you brokenhearted? Are you captive? Are you blind? Are you bruised? Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ, he's a preacher, he's a healer, he's a deliverer, he's a recoverer, he's a liberator. He's anything you need to be. Jesus Christ says, are you hungry? Jesus Christ says, I am the bread of life. Are you thirsty? I am the water. I'll give you thirst. You'll never drink again. Whatever you need, he's that. Are you afraid of death? Jesus Christ says, I am the life. Do you not know where to go? Do you not know where to turn? Do you don't know what the truth is? Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. You don't know which way to go? Jesus Christ says, I am the way. You don't know which door to choose? Jesus Christ says, I am the door. You got a question? Jesus Christ has got the answer. That's who I'm talking about. The Lord Jesus Christ. And I, you, you say, Brother Keegan, I don't really appreciate the way you attack Buddhists and your way you attack Muhammad and the way you attack some of the, the Pope and you, you do these kind. The reason why I do that is because they, they are nothing compared to Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. And don't take my word for it. Just because I'm raising my voice and saying that, get you a, a Quran and read it. Find out about Muhammad. Find out about Buddhism. Find out about these things. Find out, and what you're going to find out is they fall short. When you need somebody, when you're poor and you need somebody, they're not going to be there for you. But my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be. He's a preacher to the gospel to the poor. The greatest preacher to ever walk this earth is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No man is quoted more than Jesus Christ. There's nobody who's talked about more than Jesus. Jesus Christ's parables have been used in our culture more than any other man's teachings or parables ever. He's the greatest preacher. There's no doubt about it. Look at verse 22. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? He had gracious words. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the greatest preacher you've ever heard of. Look at verse 32. Look at verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Amen. That's what I want to hear from a preacher. I want to preach. He don't have to be raising his voice. He don't have to be loud. He don't have to be animated, which is the kind of preaching I like. But he's got to have power. And we had Brother Sherrard come in here, from, to, a missionary to Panama, and he got up here, and he got up here. He's really, really quiet, right, Gibson? We were talking about this. He's a really, really quiet guy. He talks really, really soft. And you got to have to lean forward to hear him. But guys, that's, a, that's not thunder. That's called lightning. And I was sitting there up there, and I, you know, I don't know, some of y'all might not have got nothing from him. Some of y'all might have been there, oh, yawning and thing. I was up there like this, sweating, just like, oh. Please shut up, brother. I, I can't take no more. I felt like he was preaching the whole message at me. His word was with power. Power. I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, I, I, want, I want to watch a preacher that looks like he's fighting off bees. Just... That's the kind of preaching I like too. Look at verse 36. Jesus Christ was the greatest preacher you have ever heard of. Look at verse 36. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? Woo! That's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a word is this? I like what the policemen said. The temple police. The temple police were sent out by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, to say, Go arrest Jesus. 
And here they come back, you know, with their spears. And they don't have Jesus. In the, they're like, where's Jesus? You know what their answer was? Never a man spake like this man. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go take care of this guy. We'll go and they see Jesus Christ. And they see that power. And they see that authority. And they see what he's got, what he, how he preaches. And they're like, I think we'll just leave this guy alone. Let's go on back, Joe, and let's go get us a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't want to mess with this guy. I don't blame him. But he's a preacher to the poor. Are you poor? Are you in, in, this, in here this morning or are you poor? Can't make ends meet? See, when we say the word poor, instantly our mind goes to our back pocket. Oh yeah, I, got, I, I only have $5 on me until the next payday. I only have $10. Guys, there's a lot more. You might be poor in spirit. You might be poor in health, amen. You might be poor in sense. You just need some wisdom. Voltaire said, common sense isn't so common. <laughs> He's right. Even though he was an atheist, he was right. People don't want to deal with the poor people. And what I found out being around some poor people, trying to help poor people out through this church, what I found out, a lot of times, 99% of the times, the poor people, they're poor up here before they're poor in their back pocket. They just make dumb decisions. I mean, decisions you're like, that's the stupidest thing you could ever do, dude. No wonder you're, you don't have any money, you know. Just dumb, dumb decisions. But pre, Jesus Christ loves people like that. And he wants to preach to people like that. You want to know why the TV evangelists are fakers? For like, you know, there's a, there's a million reasons. Let me give you a million and one. Here's the number, a million and one reason why. Those TV evangelists that you see like Crouch and Benny Hinn, why they're all fakers. Do you ever hear them going and doing a, a prison ministry? You ever hear them going, we're going to do a prison crusade. You know why? When you go into the prisons, those guys are broke. They don't have any money to give you. You can't pass around an offering plate. I've been in these prison ministries. I've been in the prison preaching. You know what? They, they don't pass up an offering plate. There ain't nothing for them to put in an offering plate, guys. They're poor. So those, those TV evangelists, they don't care about them. Because they can't, they can't milk them for their money. Those TV evangelists get up there and they some, say some of the sweetest words, some of the sweetest words, and those Christians, they're there and they're just, just eating it like it's a cupcake. Oh, oh, give me more of that. Give me more of that. And then that preacher's over there and that preacher comes over there and he gets out his feather and he's tickling their ear and those Christians are like, oh, please stop it. Oh, oh. And they're giggling and giggling. And then the whole time that preacher's doing this, reaching around, getting the money out of your back pocket. Not my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't want a penny of your money. And you think that that's an oxymoron. Well, then why do you tithe? The Lord wants us to tithe to break that covetousness that's in us. But that's between you and the Lord God. That's between you and the Lord God. It's a big difference. Jesus Christ wants to take you and preach to you, and He wants to make the poor rich. He wants to make the poor rich. Rich in joy, rich in happiness, rich in salvation. All the things that the world can't buy you. If you have a billion dollars like Bates or any of these other uh, guys, these billionaires, you can't. You take all your money, you can't buy what Jesus Christ can offer you through his preaching. Amen. He's a preacher to the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to heal. Jesus Christ describes himself in verse 18. He, sent, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a preacher, 
Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer to the brokenhearted. He's the greatest healer the earth has ever known. Greatest doctor, greatest physician. Jesus Christ is those things. Look down at verse, uh, look at verse 36 again. Look at verse 36, same chapter. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this, for with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. Amen. There's nobody who's casting out unclean spirits that's casting out demons without the authority of the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's been men that tried it, it didn't work. There's men recorded in the Bible that tried it, it didn't work. Remember when those guys came up and they were, they came and there was a demon-possessed man and they say, we adjure thee by the, by the Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of this man. And what did that demon say to them? I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? That's what the demon said. And what did the demon do? Oh, the demon started throwing flowers on him and said, oh, I love you. The demon grabbed them and ripped their clothes off and they ran out of the house naked. Ah! What did they need? They needed Jesus. You can call on the name of Jesus, but you've got to know Jesus. He's the greatest healer. Look at verse 38. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, Simon Peter. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. The first pope had a wife. Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her, Jesus stood over her, and rebuked the fever and left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Praise the Lord. You know, we were talking, somebody was riding with me the other day and was talking about those fake healers you see on TV and everything. What I think is so funny a lot of times is the stuff they're healed, they're healed from is stuff you can't see. Like you can't prove it. But when somebody's laying on a bed and they're running fever, like when I was laying on a bed running fever and I had that COVID uh, nonsense, uh, if, if I when I got healed up, when I finally started feeling better, it took me a long time to get up. But if Jesus Christ would have come by and Jesus Christ would have said, you're healed, Keegan. I would have got up and said, oh, man, I feel pretty good. Let's go do something. That's how he heals them. Look, it says they, she ministered to him. He healed her up. She got up and said, let me fix you boys some sandwiches. That's the healer. But the truth is, guys, I've seen and witnessed a lot more tears shed by emotional pain than I ever have by physical pain. And I've seen some people in some, in some strong, strong physical pain. And I've seen some tears, but nothing like the tears I've seen from people that are in emotional pain. And he's a healer not just of the body, health, but notice, to heal the brokenhearted. When a person's heart is broken, their health is broken. And when a person's heart is healed, their health can be healed. Do you know your spiritual... Your, your spiritual your spiritual walk your spirit can have a, do, do affect a lot of your health. And I see that we're in the other side of the right. When somebody's not living for the Lord, somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ, and they're living out in the world, their, their physical health tends to be worse compared to because their spiritual health is so bad. It's all tied together. And I can't, when we get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord about that because I've seen that a lot in my ministry. And I'm, I'm curious about how much that affects the Holy Spirit living in us, how He keeps our body ticking. Amen. When it should have been gone a long time ago? Jesus Christ can take a heart that's broken a million pieces and make it whole again. That right there is, that right, just what I said right there. Just what I said that Jesus Christ can take your heart that's broken in a million pieces that nobody can heal and he can heal that heart. That right there makes Jesus Christ better than anybody you're ever going to meet. 
Because that's the most important thing. Anybody in here been brokenhearted over a, over a wife, over a husband, over a loved one, a kid, or whatever? You ever been broken? I know everybody in here has, right? There's nothing like that. And to think that some man named Jesus Christ can come by into your life and say, I'm going to heal you up of that. And Jesus has healed me up, and I can thank the Lord. It's the best healing you can ever get. Let me show you the third thing he is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's number one. He's a preacher. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus Christ describes himself as a healer. Now Jesus Christ says to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance to the captives. Are you captive? Jesus is a deliverer. Say, I'm not captive. I'm not in bondage. Yes, you are. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in bondage to sin. You might not realize it, but you're in bondage to sin. Sin has bondage over you. It's controlling you. Are you a prisoner to your own life? Maybe you're a captive to your own life. It amazes me when I hear a man or a woman say, man, my life is just, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm just bored. I, all I do is go to work, go home. Go to work, go home. I can't wait till I retire. Well, yeah, when you retire, then you'll just be at home all the time. You know? At least you have something to do, go to work. It's a miserable life without Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for a life, Jesus Christ will deliver you out of the bondage you're in to the life you're in. I know lots of prisoners. Through my ministry, to, uh, working at this church and uh, working over the 17 years of being a minister, I've seen lots and lots of prisoners, and none of them had ever seen a prison cell. They were a prisoner to their own mistakes. They were a prisoner to their own decisions. They were a prisoner to their lifestyle. They were a prisoner to the people around them. They were a prisoner to their family. They were a prisoner to their job. They're, you know what, what, I, what I admire about a man is a man that can say, I was looking for a job when I came in here, and I can go leave here looking for a job. I don't care about this job. There's guys at work that talk like that. And I admire them because I don't feel that way. I'm not the worst thing. I'm scared. I've got I to be able to take care of my job. I've got to be able to feed my family. And they're like, oh, I'll just take care of it. Just, just free, living free. Jesus wants to deliver you from this present evil world to a better world to come, amen? He wants to, take, he wants to deliver you from the curse of the law to, the, to joy and grace. He wants to deliver you from the bondage of sin to an abundant life. That's what Jesus Christ will do for you. He's a deliverer. He wants to deliver you out of the power of darkness to the kingdom of light. You might not even realize you're in darkness. He's a deliverer. I think one of the greatest deliverers that's talked about, and y'all might not agree with this, but I think it is, that's mentioned and talked about of all people is Chuck Norris. He's a deliverer. If you, what I mean by that is if you ever, you ever read about Chuck Norris, they have all these little piffy sayings they say about Chuck Norris to make, fun of, uh, to, make fun of, uh, to make fun of how powerful Chuck Norris is. He can deliver you, whatever you're in. And one of the things, I was at, uh, up in Waco, and we was at a restaurant. I went to the bathroom the restaurant, and they had all these Chuck Norris sayings all over the bathroom. I'm like, this is crazy. And they're sayings like this, like, Chuck Norris puts the laughter in manslaughter. <laughs> Got to think about that one. He puts the fun in funeral. My favorite Chuck Norris one is this. My favorite Chuck Norris one is this. Chuck Norris went to a feminist rally 
Chuck Norris went to a feminist rally and he came back with his shirt ironed and a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ is better than Chuck Norris. Amen. They always make fun of Chuck Norris. Like, time doesn't, you, uh, Chuck Norris don't ask what time it is. Time asks Chuck Norris what time it is, you know. Chuck Norris, when he doesn't like the time, he stares at the clock and it moves backwards. Like when Chuck Norris goes to take a shower, he doesn't turn on the shower. He just stares at the shower head until it cries. Stuff like that, you know. The truth is that Chuck Norris is a Christian. A lot of people don't realize that. Chuck Norris is a devout Christian, Bible-believing Christian, just like me and you. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you was to act Chuck Norris, one of the toughest, meanest deliverers in the world, he would say, Christ is the deliverer. He's the real deliverer. You know, one of the sayings they say about Chuck Norris is that one time death had a, Chuck, had a, Chuck, had a, a near Chuck experience. Death had a near Chuck experience. And I started thinking about that. I said, you know, a lot of those you can replace with Jesus Christ. One time death had a near Jesus experience. He thought he had Jesus and Jesus got away. And one day Jesus is going to do away with old death. That's our deliverer. Jesus Christ is our deliverer. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. I'll show you one more thing Jesus Christ delivers you from. If you're a Christian, so you've got to come to Jesus. He'll do this for anybody. I don't care what color race you are, what, what race, what color, what, what creed. Jesus Christ will do this for anybody, but you've got to come to Jesus Christ and get saved. You've got to come and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. We're talking about waiting for Jesus Christ to come get us out of here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait, and to wait for His Son. Talking about Jesus Christ. And to wait to, for His Son from heaven. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. Whom He raised from the dead, there's no doubt about it. Even Jesus, what He do? Which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. The best thing Jesus delivered me from was from hell. Because that's where I was going. I was doomed and damned. I was going to a devil's hell. And Jesus Christ, He took me and He delivered me out of that devil's wrath. From, he delivered me from the wrath to come to life eternal. That's my Lord to Savior Jesus Christ. Back in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke 4, 18. I'm going read to you, read you another one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach. He's a preacher. The gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's a healer. To preach deliverance to the captives. He's a deliverer. And fourthly, and recovering of sight to the blind. Are you blind? Well, I thought that was a healing, brother, like a, a physical healing, like I'm walking around blind. No, what this is is blind spiritually. He'll recover your sight. See, when you, when you were a little child, you had that sight, that spiritual sight. You weren't blind. But as we get older, it's the total opposite. When a kitten or a dog or something, the animal's born with their eyes closed, and then they get older, and they get their eyes open. We're born with our spiritual eyes open, and as we grow older and we start understanding sin, that's when our eyes are darkened and we get, we get blind. Who's blinding us? Well, it's the devil. The devil's blinding us. And that's what 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says. I'll read it to you if you don't want to turn there. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says that that's what's going on in the world today. That's why so many people are spiritually blind. Is the devil's working. He's working on you. You might not realize it. 
Verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Why is it hid? And whom the God of this world, the God, lowercase g, that'd be Satan, of this world, hath blinded their eyes. No, look, the minds of them which believe not. Your mind is blinded. The devil's not going to let the truth hit your mind. And he tries every way he can to give you falsity, give you lies, give you misinformation. And every time you turn on that TV, that's exactly what the devil's beaming into your house. It's lies and misinformation every way he can. And the word of God is going to open your eyes. On whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It's glorious. Jesus Christ is glorious when He heals you up and He opens up your eyes. We, sent, we just sung the song this morning, right? I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost. That's what we sing. We sing about that. We sing about being blind. It doesn't have anything to do with the physical blindness. This has to do with the spiritual blindness. And Jesus Christ wants you to have your eyes open to the truth. If you're out there living in the world and you're like, man, I turn on the TV and I see this. And I turn on the internet and I see this. And I can't find the truth. I can't, I'm just, that's the devil blinding you. And he plays tricks on you. And I'm telling you, if you will just trust in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, take him as your Lord and Savior, open up this Bible. You'll be amazed how, what this Bible will teach you. It teach you what, it'll tell you what's going on in the world today as far as COVID goes. All that stuff, it'll teach you that right in here, out of this book. If you're with me, turn to Acts 26. Acts chapter 26. Jesus is a recoverer of the blind. And he wants you to have your eyes open. Jesus wants to open your eyes. He wants you to open your eyes. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. And this is uh, what, what Paul said, Peter, this is, what, excuse me, this is what Paul said Jesus told him. In verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them. He says, I'm sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's the only verse in the Bible you need to know to get saved. I mean, that, that right there, just, knowing, just hearing that right there is enough to know what you need. You, your eyes are darkened. You need to have your eyes opened. You're under the power of Satan that they may receive forgiveness of sins. You can have your sins forgiven. You'll have an inheritance. That would be a heavenly inheritance among them which are sanctified. How are you sanctified? By your faith you have in Jesus Christ that is in me, in Jesus Christ. But it all begins, to, it all begins with the top of verse 18, to open their eyes. You need to have your eyes open. It flabbergasts me how many Christians are blind right now. Don't see what's going on in the world. It, 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 it amazes me to see lost men how blind they are. It amazes me to see how blind this whole world is. And they don't stop to think, what's going on here? Why, is, why are they doing this? Why are they, why, what? They're just like sheep. And they just fought whatever the government tells them to do. Whatever, that's the right thing to do. And they just, bah, bah. But if they, they, don't like who's in the, if they don't like who's up in the presidency, then they don't, they're not going to do what he says. If they like the president, they'll just follow him. If they don't like the president, then they're not going to follow him. 
That's a, that's a, that's a, a sad state of affairs, but it's true. If, if Trump was up in office mandating vaccines, I think a lot of people, more people would be getting vaccines. Now, I know it's quiet in here, but it's probably the truth. If Trump come out and said, hey, I've looked into it, it's, it's, it you can trust it, I've took my vaccine, I think everybody should get vaccinated, I'm going to mandate it. And you say, well, he wouldn't do that. How do you know he wouldn't do that? He pushed for it, did he not? He was the first one that says we should get vaccines, and the Democrats were saying we can't trust it. Do y'all remember that? Y'all not that old, right? Y'all haven't forgotten that? That just was a couple years ago. Guys, the devil's working. <laughs> He's blinding your eyes. Wear a mask for two weeks just to... What, were they, what was the saying they gave us? Wear a mask for two weeks for, uh, to, to beat the curve or something. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Wear, let's wear a mask for two weeks. Where it's two years later and here we are. I don't know about y'all. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. Just let, you know, I got it. I'm over it. I'm ready to move on with life. Say, well, you might get it again and die. Well, if I die, I die. Go to heaven. I might die of cancer. I might die of heart problem. I mean, there's lots of ways, to, different ways to die than, other than COVID. I might die of just being bored, living this stupid life they're trying to make us live. Stay at home. Don't go away. Stay at home. Don't go. You stay at home. I'm going to go have fun. Well, you might die. Well, I'll have fun dying. And, and trust me, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to jump out of some airplane with, with a parachute on just to have fun. That's not what I think is fun. I'm not that adventurous, but. Jesus is a liberator. And finally, Luke chapter 4. I'm going to close with Luke chapter 4. He's a liberator. He's a recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty, set at liberty them that are bruised. Are you bruised? You say, what does that mean, Pastor? What, are you just beat up? Are you bullied? See, there's a lot of people that might be in this room this morning that's bruised and bullied, but you can't see it. You can be bullied and be bruised by bullying and, and, and you can't see it on a physical out you can't see it with your physical eyes. See how you notice how a lot of this stuff starts applying spiritually? Something that the world can't help you with. Does no one care for you? No one take up for you? No one cares to help you out. You think you're all alone, nobody knows you, nobody understands you. Jesus Christ does. He's a liberator. Jesus Christ is the liberator. Let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. And this is what I love about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He'll stick up for you like a big brother. If you're getting bullied, you're getting picked on, he'll stick up for you like a big brother. So I'm not worth being stuck up for. I'm just a nobody. I'm not worth anything. Jesus Christ, it said of Jesus Christ, he was a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. Look at John chapter 8. I'm going to close in John chapter 8. Y'all turn there. If you got your Bible open, turn to this one at least. John chapter 8. This is how Jesus described himself. And see, everywhere I've turned, I've tried to turn and show you that Jesus Christ described himself that way and then the scriptures show him to be that way. That's what I'm trying to show you. In other words, Jesus Christ is not a liar. He does everything he says he was going to do. 
Because what I read to you in Luke 4, that's the beginning of his ministry. Three and a half years later, you can look back and say, Hey, he said he was a preacher, and he was the greatest preacher ever known. He said he was a healer. He's the greatest healer, healer the world's ever known. He said he was a recoverer. He recovered people better than anybody else. He was a deliverer. He delivered people better than anybody else. And now he's a liberator. He gives liberty to better than anybody else. He did all those things. And he's a liberator to those that just don't have anybody to help them. Look at 8, John 8, verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. This poor woman doesn't have anybody to help her. Do you read what I just, did you just read and listen to what I just read? They caught her in the very act. Well, it takes two to do that very act. Where's the other one? They just grabbed the woman. The other one was probably one of their friends. <laughs> That's how they knew it was going to happen. So they caught her. They drug her to Jesus Christ. Of course, what happens when you commit adultery in the Bible? According to the Old Testament, you get stoned. You get put to death. That's death penalty, guys. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They want to catch it. I want to show how mean Jesus can be. They want to show how Jesus Christ, he's, he's mean and he's hateful. And he's going to kill that woman. He's going to stone her for being an adult. They want, to, they want people to turn on Jesus. Because he's so gracious and he's so loving. They want, here's what happened. Verse 6. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger rolled on the ground as though he had heard them not. So when they continued asking him, see he pretends like he don't hear them. This woman was caught. This, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he's just ignoring them. And he's writing on the ground. There's lots of preachers got all kinds of ideas of what he's writing on the ground there. Probably what he's writing is Leviticus 20, 2010, which says that when, the, when they're caught in the act, the man should be there too. So verse 7 though. So when they continue to ask him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Okay, guys, y'all are such a liberators and judges. Once you take a stone and you, if you don't have any sin, you just throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He's giving them a way out. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. Yeah, why? Why would the oldest leave before the youngest? Because the oldest has a whole lot more time to commit sin. <laughs> the older you get, you start thinking about, man, I shouldn't have done this. Those youngest ones, they're kind of, they don't have as much sin on them. Even until the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Is Jesus a liberator? Look at verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none, but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. Lord, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect, Lord. I hadn't done, I done a lot of bad things, Lord. He said, well, I don't condemn you. Just go and try not to sin anymore. That's the liberator I know is Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Because you don't know the joy and the happiness and the peace to have such a wonderful friend and brother and Savior like Jesus Christ. And it's so simple. Just put your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior. Believe that you're a sinner. 
Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he was buried. He died, he's buried, and he rose on the third day. If you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and you're willing to repent, in other words, say, you know, I know I'm a sinner and I'm going this way. I'm going to turn and turn to Christ and receive him as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says he'll save you right there. And if you do that, you'll, you'll know all these five things that I preached on this morning. You'll understand every one of these, and you can say, amen, 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 and amen. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody on the sound of my voice, Lord God, that's, that's dealing with some of, the, some of this stuff, Lord God. Maybe they're poor, maybe they're bullied, bruised. Lord, they need some healing, Lord God. They need some preaching. They need just whatever you're going to do for them, Lord God. They need it, Lord. And I pray, Father, you would come in through your Holy Spirit and speak to the heart of truth, Lord God. And I pray, Father, if somebody's afraid, Lord, to take you as their Lord and Savior, they're afraid what their family's going to say, what their friends, what their loved ones are going to say, Lord, I pray, Father, that they would realize that this is talking about eternity. We're not talking about just a few more years here on this earth, Lord. We're talking about eternity, that we're going to have this eternal life, Lord God. And thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for delivering us from the wrath to come. I can't thank you enough for that. And, Lord, I thank you for these people who come out here this morning, Lord. I pray a special blessing on them. And, Lord, I pray you go with us as we have this invitation. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. All right, let's have, a, let's have an invitation. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. 
See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.